0: This is Work of the Beat. It is Friday, April 24th, 2020. Oh, and Mike Kern, glad you could join us here on the, uh, on the podcast. Good one coming up for you today. Mike will join us in a moment, uh, as obviously we have a live event to cover, and it was uh, night one of the NFL draft last night. Uh, obviously, the Eagles taking Jalen Riga uh, with the 21st overall pick. They didn't get CD Lamb. He goes to the Cowboys. And uh, that, obviously, the main storyline. And one of the things we'll break down today with one of the best people in sports television right now. He's one of the most omnipresent people in sports television. He does the hosting of college football on ABC on Saturdays. He's also the anchor of the 6 p.m. Sports Center with stage steel. It's Kevin Nagandi, the pride of Temple University uh, he will join us we'll talk a little bit about the draft we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in ESPN land now that there's no sports and um kind of how do you fill the gap uh that's going on at this point uh without the schedule and other topics um you know Kevin's a huge Philadelphia fan he, he wears his pride on his sleeve for the area so we will talk to him about that as well and uh Then after that, Mike and I will break down what we felt about uh, the first night of the draft. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Uh, I'm not thrilled. And it's not that it's Jalen Rieger. It's uh, about the way I think Howie Roseman's approach on this whole offseason has been. And, you know, everybody talks about him being super aggressive and then... He doesn't get aggressive. And look, I think the Cowboys made a bad pick with Lamb in the sense of, um, you know they they don't have um, you know they don't have a safety yet, and yet they went and tried to overload on my receivers, which they do. Um, and obviously with Mari and now Lamb and 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 and, Gannett and all that. So we'll talk all that a little bit later on the show. A little bit of a uh notes here before we get going. Um, for starters, uh, next week we're, we have scheduled or we are scheduling Larry Bella to join us. Uh, the Phillies' great all time shortstop, um, will join us. Uh, a lifer, a baseball lifer on what it's like these days without baseball going on. We'll talk to him about that and we'll talk to him about some of the other things going on involving the sport as we're all still on the COVID 19 hold a little bit. And, uh, so those are the topics that we will be discussing then, uh, later in the week. And, and we'll have a few other guests. Mike and I will probably vent for one episode as well. Still looking to get another really big name guest on for later in the week. So, um, as they say, stay tuned on that one. Uh, so right now it's just one of those things that the NFL draft is front and center. And when we come back, we'll talk to Kevin Nagandi about where the, Where the Eagles went, where they may go from here, and kind of the future of college football for this year and a little bit of everything, what life is like in Bristol at this point without sports going on live. That's next. Kevin Nagandi, Temple Zone from ESPN, joins us on work of the beat after this message. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia and you can be a part of it. That's 267 546 7277 or work the beat at gmail.com to join the Workin' the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, one of the stars of ESPN. He is a regular on, well, he's actually the studio host on ABC uh, on Saturdays for college football. He's also the regular anchor with Stage Steel at 6 o'clock. On SportsCenter, it's Kevin Nagandi. Kevin, how are you?
1: Kevin, Mike, nice to see you guys. I'm good. uh, I'm as good as can be in a pandemic, uh, but uh, things are good. Uh, This is what? We're recording is the day after the uh, NFL draft. uh, draft, So the sky isn't falling when I woke up, uh, and we'll figure it out as as Philadelphia fans.
2: Hey, Kevin, when you work at... A place like ESPN, and you're all doing it from home or whatever, and then you see some guy like like Shay get the virus. Um, how does that affect you guys? I mean, we're all going to know people at some point that are going to get infected and have to be quarantined or whatever. That's got to hit on
1: No, no doubt. And, and to be honest with you, I go into work four days a week, four or five days a week in the studio there, uh, hosting Sports Center. So I, I hosted a three hour Sports Center yesterday. And I got to tell you, we see about five or six people around. Uh, I, I, the campus is, is very quiet. It's, it's very surreal when you're talking about a campus filled with thousands of people, and it's super active. And at, at most, I see maybe seven people. So the the protection and the sanitary stuff is there. Everywhere you go, you're aware of it, and you're wearing a bandana or a mask. The the funny thing with McShea is uh, – I. I don't know, we, we can't say where he got it, but, like, you know, where he lives is, you know, the, uh, a Boston area that's hit pretty hard. Yeah. And I talked to him a couple of weeks ago on a podcast, exactly two weeks ago uh, from today, and he, he was tired. He was exhausted, and um, he, he just told me the grind of doing, uh, you know, the lead-up to the draft uh, takes a toll on him. And, you know, a couple of days later, it was like, oh man, he's, he's not feeling well at all. And this is, uh, we hope he's okay. So it, it, it hit home. You check in every now and then, you know, the dynamic last night, too, where you have so many production people. Behind the scenes, trying to put together uh, <laughs> a four-hour NFL draft that usually takes about six months in preparation in Vegas, and now you've got to deal with all that stuff. And everybody's working behind the scenes. That it concerns you, but Mike, to be honest with you, uh, you and I and, and Kevin can talk about this. When we're in the business, we put our head down, we just do the job, and yeah. we think about that other stuff later. We don't. We don't <laughs> yeah. let that uh, play a role. We just we're mindful of it to a certain extent, but then at the same time, it's like just do the job. We'll figure it out.
0: Kevin, for you guys, you talked about the tech technical end of it last night. I mean, to have two networks come in with NFL network and everything. Yeah. And then having 80 to 90 different camera feeds. I mean, that's a technical accomplishment. What happened last night. that went yeah. off pretty smooth.
1: Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause again, like, you know, what we're doing now in studio, we, we've got a bunch of hits during the week where you're interviewing guys on FaceTime and, you're interviewing guys through, you know, a variety of different things like Skype, and you're holding your breath because we hope the bandwidth is going to hold everything together at that person's house. I mean, we had Matt Rule on yesterday. We had the chance to talk to him on FaceTime, and he was going in and out technically, and that was just me talking to Matt Rule. That wasn't like you know, 32 teams and 60 draft picks, and he was going in and out. So you're concerned about the the Wi-Fi in each household that you can control. And you know, one other thing too is the timing. That, that plays a huge role because we noticed during the six o'clock hour on our sports center, we would lose people. And it was because we were finding out that noon is different from six o'clock because there were more people using bandwidth at six o'clock and maybe more people in the household using bandwidth, in, in, whoever we were talking to. So for them to pull it off the way they did with very little, uh, when it comes to the hiccups on the technical side, it just shows how, how prepared they were. And, you know, there were a couple things that we saw where it didn't go as smooth, but I think the the public is so forgiving. We're yeah. all aware that we all do our Zoom conference calls and there are always technical glitches. I think we're mu- much more forgiving now than looking for a perfect broadcast.
2: Yeah, Ke- Kevin, I know with the newspapers around here, people have to be creative now because there's no news, there's no the NFL has basically saved you guys. <laughs> really cool. Yes. But how tough is that to be creative when there's nothing really going on and to put on a show that's entertaining and people are going to turn, and you guys have like 10 shows a day that kind of have to do that?
1: That's, that's how, a great how
2: has that been for like That's a, a great
1: question. Uh, listen, the NFL, and uh, let me tell you, thank you, Tom Brady. <laughs> thank you, free agency. Uh, thank you, NFL Draft. Uh, thank you Gronk uh it has carried us for the last month and a half the the issue we're going to have is in May uh uh and and I can tell you that our our staff's really creative in coming up with ideas the cool thing is like we marked, for example we did a couple of reads the last couple weeks where uh it's refreshing to do on this day four years ago it was Kobe's last game. So we we can run like a four or five minute highlight of his best place. And then that takes five minutes of a show. And it also brings some energy back to the show, right? Where we're not just discussing, all right, here's the very latest. This event got canceled. This event got canceled. So looking ahead, our, our whole thing is, all right, what 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 do we know next? What do we know next? One thing we know is virtual uh, camps are going on for teams. The breakdown of the draft, or that, that'll that carry us for a week or two. And, and it comes down to your reporters coming up with stories. It comes down to interviews that we can get. If we can get an interview with somebody and, and kind of piggyback that conversation off the interview, that plays a huge role. The Tiger-Phil match with Peyton and Tom Brady, that's going to play a big role in May. UFC uh, coming back in mid-May. Those small little things you just carry on and then how do we expand on it?
0: And obviously NASCAR is talking about coming back as well. Yes. Uh, yes. Fanless here. Kevin Nagandi joining us here. Let me get your opinion on Jalen Rieger. Uh, you pointed on Twitter last night that uh, you like the, the player. You were surprised by the timing. Exactly. Uh how surprised were you with Jefferson on the board there that the Eagles went that direction? I was stunned because, I,
1: honestly, and, and that's a personal thing because I, I think Justin Jefferson is a player. And if you look at the uh, the, the recent history of Eagles draft picks, we need players, impact players. That team yeah, needs yeah. impact players. And if, if you could just find a fit, and if he, people say, well, he plays the slot, uh, you know, we already have two tight ends. Look at what the Cowboys did. The Cowboys already have two wide receivers. They took the best player available who can impact yeah, that yeah. team, right, and C.D. Lamb. So my whole point was, if you don't have a history of nailing picks, sometimes it's okay not to try to outsmart everybody get the player, the best player on the board. And I thought Justin Jefferson is a need position and he's the best player at that position. Now Rager going to be a really good player. I just think you could have gotten Rager later in the draft. It's about value at that point. Uh, you complain that night, you wake up this morning, you complain again, I will be a part of that, you know, that whole group that complains about the value at that point. But, Once the games start, we're all going to forget about it because all we care about is production. No one's going to tell you or no one's going to remember, oh, when did we get this guy in that draft? Like the Deshaun Jackson pick, just look about 10 years ago. No one was thinking about who the other guys were in that draft. We just now look, who do we have now? And is he a player, right? Rager fits the uh, the system that they need with speed. But you could have got the value a little bit later. And it haunted us last year because of the DK Metcalf uh, performance that we saw in the Seahawks game, right? The the issue I think we're going to run into is we see the Cowboys twice a year, and we're going to see CD Lamb twice a year. Well, and especially and-
0: because you look at Atlanta a pick that obviously they could have traded up to. Yep. And you, if you really want to CD Lamb, and we were told how we love CD Lamb, the the price to go from twenty one to sixteen was not steep in a lot of minds. Nope. So and then you're gonna have to live look, I'm not sure the Cowboys made a great pick either because they have a ton of wide receivers. And it's gonna I be think
2: the Cowboys made a great pick. Go ahead. He's really good.
0: <laughs> he's he's really, really good. He's really good, but there's a there's a lot of balls that have to be distributed there. Who cares? But
2: but
1: listen, when you you have a talent like Amari Cooper on one side and CeeDee Lamb on the other, it stretches the defense and it opens up more options. For Zeke,
0: too. Do the Chiefs
2: have a problem distributing the football to their four or five guys? No, no. And they win to the running back.
1: But but, but Mike, I will say one thing about the the Chiefs thing, and and that that helps the argument, I think, on what the Eagles are trying to say. We want guys that fit our system, and that is potential speed, right? Right. And... My only issue is you could have got that speed a little bit later on in that round or early in the second so round.
2: Right? You, if you got to that point, would you have traded down?
1: I would have traded down.
2: Yeah. And if you yeah. don't want Justin Jefferson, I would have traded down. And here's the
1: other thing. Like, if CD Lamb was let's hypothetically say if CD Lamb was taken 13th overall and Justin Jefferson was taken like 19th overall and then they picked Rager, then it's a different story, right? Because you're like, okay, those guys weren't on the board. We couldn't have get the, gotten the chance to get them. But if you have the opportunity at 17, before 17 to get CD lamb the best wide receiver potentially in the draft, who's a playmaker and compared to the Deandre Hopkins, you find a way when you your quarterback desperately needs that position. And, Here's the other thing too. I think it plays a role in our psyche in Philadelphia. It's the draft history that we have seen from this team, yeah. especially last year, guys. Right, But they hit a home run with Miles Sanders, right? <laughs> but look what they've done with the other picks. And yeah. I think that plays a role in this conversation. We will all forget about it when when Jalen Rager catches his first touchdown, which is like a sixty yard bomb. But it, it replaces the one concept of. Deshaun Jackson, because he's aging. We don't know when he's going to come back. He's a sports car, right? Yeah. And you just slide him right in. They can they can turn things around in my mind if they find a way to make an impact move here in the second round, and that is, I think, moving up potentially in the thirties to get somebody on the uh, on in the secondary or another wide receiver, and, and those are the two things that we have failed to hit on
0: under Howie. You are. An unabashed eagle thing. I mean, yeah. you know, it's funny. We had Colleen Wolf on last week, and Colleen's the same way. Yeah. I mean, what is it like for you being that open in, in a business that all doesn't always lend to people being that forthcoming about their family? Yeah,
1: that's yeah, a great question. It's actually it's very smart coming from you guys because I, I came from, uh, uh, you know, um, a great education at Temple where it's just like you, you, don't, you don't reveal your allegiances, right? But, you know, the way the business has kind of changed a little bit in sports entertainment and also watching uh, uh, Stuart Scott and his love for North Carolina uh, and, and not be shy about it. When I got to, to ESPN... One of the things I looked around and I and I saw was I can't hold back. The reason why I'm here is because I was a fan first, right? And I've always said to people that if you're going to tell me that I'm not doing a good job because I'm an Eagles fan, I'm going to laugh at you because I actually have more information because I follow the team, and I'm going to be more critical. I use this as an example. 2009, when they blew that game in the fourth quarter against the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game, right? I was on the air with Trent Dilfer and Merrill, Merrill Doing doing center. and that game's going on on the big screen behind us while we're doing TV, and you watch the defense, it's the defense that falls apart in that final seven, eight minutes. Jim right?
0: Johnson's worst game ever. game ever.
1: Exactly, and the game's over, now they come back on camera to us, and honestly, for 45 minutes, I'm on with Dilfer <laughs> and Hodge, and I am going off on the Eagles, and there was no there was no sugarcoating the whole thing. They deserved to be lit up on how the way they played, and I thought that my background in being an Eagles fan made sure that I did the right job that day because I knew everything about that team inside and out, and I actually get some heat from Eagles fans if I say something nice about the Cowboys. No, that's my job. I'm going to say something nice about the Cowboys if they do something well, right? Uh, So I provide facts and anything I do. And then it's a good banter. You know, Darren Woodson was a good friend of mine. And, you know, me and him have a good back and forth during Eagles-Cowboys week. I think that's good because people want to see us be human. It does not play a role with me uh, when it comes to how I do TV. Uh, To the point where after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I had Howie come up to me and Howie – Howie had some choice words, and it was his ter- turn to just, you know, kind of rub it in everybody's face. And he realized. He enjoyed that night. Oh, and he said some things to me. and
0: He and said I, to all the beat writers, too.
1: He called me out on some stuff, and I said, Howie, you deserve, you deserve to throw it in my face. Good for you. Because, honestly, it's the truth. And, yeah. and, and if you're going to give it, you got to take it back. And I think that it actually benefits me on the broadcast. We have a lot of fun. I think the fans enjoy it as well because it provides me with more information, even like with the Sixers, like you know, and and the background and calling out the way Ben Simmons sometimes doesn't shoot the ball. I I think that benefits me in a broadcast because I'm fully aware of what's going on and and the deficiencies and, honestly, the positives on, on the Philadelphia teams.
2: You could be worse if you could be greeny and be a Jets fan. <laughs> Kevin, was there The quarterbacks last night were, were kind of the big story. So, yeah. what's your views on Tua going fifth and Herbert going sixth? Because they're going to be interlinked forever, Yeah, depending upon how their careers go. And also, the Packers moving up to take uh, love.
1: How about that? Uh, I'll, I'll say that real quick. Uh, while, it, while big picture, it's a great move, I think, for the Packers, but you know, Aaron Rodgers has got to wonder when are you guys going to get a first round wide receiver that I desperately need? Like, I've got maybe two or three years left if I want to continue to do this thing. I'm not going to be like a Breeze or a Brady and keep on playing. And when are we going to get an impact player for me? Um, I, I think the long term, having Jordan Love there is, is a really good move for the Packers. As for the Tua uh, Herbert debate, I think Tua is a stud. I think Tua is going to be fantastic in Miami. And if they do do the right things, and that is bring them along, the kid walks into a room and he owns the room no matter what. He's incredible. You know, you want to find something really weird, guys? I'm in my man cave. (laughs) My kids have their toys. And the remote control uh, fire truck is moving by itself with no one in here. So it kind of freaked me
0: out. That's (laughs) –
1: that would freak me out. Yeah, it's kind of freaky. It's going, it go, it's going backwards into my chimney. All right. Um, <laughs> back to what I was saying. Uh, Herbert, when Herbert walks into a room, if you had to build a statue of a quarterback, he would stand right there and the artist would say, that's the quarterback. 6'6", six, six, has the looks, has the arm. The issue is that when Herbert walks into a room, though, he doesn't carry the room. Yeah. And when you look at these alpha quarterbacks, they have to own the huddle no matter what. I mean, no matter what. And I, I don't think Herbert has that. Tua walks into a room and everybody wants to be around Tua no matter what. No matter who it is, Tua is the guy that everybody comes he is like that sun and everybody starts to rotate around and it's not because he's imposing his will, it's just that's his personality. And I think that that is a key component in team building.
0: Justin Herbert, I loved watching him in the Rose Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. And his, 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 he played really well. He was in control. But there were a lot of games last year you didn't see that. And I thought that's one thing that's different. When Tua played, and there's injury concerns, no doubt. But when Tua played, Tua was so much better at game in, game out, same performance.
1: 100%. The one thing they got to watch with Tua is uh, he believes way too much in his skill set. And and that's every gunslinger, right? That they try to do too much. And that that leaves you open in the pocket to take hits, right? Mm -hmm. He's just got to throw the ball away a little bit. And I think he's going to be more aware of that. But, hey, listen we've dealt with that in Philadelphia, right?
0: Michael <laughs> Vick, the good and the
1: bad of Carson Wentz, yeah. and we'll take a lot of that good, but you have to deal with the bad as a result of it, right? Yeah.
0: Vick, Wentz, Cunningham, McNabb all the same way, too. So, yep. Let me uh you're Mr. College Football on Saturdays in the fall. Yeah. How concerned are you right now that we're not going to be starting in late August?
1: I'm really concerned. Um uh, so, the reality is, uh, where are we going to be in, in a month or two? I think anybody makes a prediction. They don't know what's, uh, they don't really have an answer because you can't say that this is going to happen. Um, uh, my, my concern is this that if college kids are not on campus, there's no way you could have a season. Like, there's just no way. Uh, but these are abnormal times, so you have to think out the box. So if that means starting the season later in the year, then start the season later in the year. And if that means you have to bleed over into January and potentially or maybe start the season in, in you know January, listen, college football is, is not so much that I wanted it as a fan. The colleges need it. Athletic departments need it because it funds so many other things. And I think the the college sports system could potentially collapse if they don't have a football season. That's how important the the college football idea is uh, important to everything that they're doing. So, okay, now this thing is moving on its own, and I'm just going (laughs) to grab it. No one has a remote in here. It's moving on its own. Are you sure the kids
0: aren't around? No, they're upstairs right now.
1: And I don't know if uh, I'm sitting on a remote. Like, this thing is moving on its own.
2: That's Bristol. It's not doing anything, guys. It's a Twilight Zone episode. (laughs) This is crazy. Thank goodness it's daytime. Kevin, Um, (laughs) as much as what you say is absolutely true, but if they came back and... Put a hundred thousand people at Penn State for all the obvious reasons, or the Notre Dame athletic director said the same thing. Some other athletic directors were present. How could you, like, if college football came back without fans, at least at the beginning, would it be the same? And would it be worth it?
1: It wouldn't be the same, but let's. I, and and you're right. When you have a hundred thousand fans and and you're supporting the local economy, that goes a long way. But the TV money is huge, right? Mm-hmm. The, the TV money sets a lot of things and guidelines in college football. And so I, I also think that let's, let's, let's look at a couple other scenarios. You bring up Penn State, right? But let's, let's talk about the South and the SEC. Mm-hmm. The SEC will want football. Yeah. And when you look at this virus and how it responds in, in warm weather compared to you know cold weather, there's going to be a lot of hope that you could play a football season, at least a college football season, down in SEC country, right? And that's also potentially ACC country. And if you start seeing SEC teams play, you're going to see other athletic directors saying in other conferences saying, "Well, if they're doing it, we got to do it. We, we we've got to find a way to have this sustainability here with us." So my my concern again is. When you hear, you know Swarbrick, who is I think an outstanding representative and understands the landscape of college athletics from Notre Dame, when, when he starts talking about you, you need fans, I also think he's also talking about you need students on campus because it's not because now all of a sudden you're considering these players uh, no longer amateurs, and and we know that we know how it's viewed. But if you say, well, you guys can come on campus, but the, the college kids who are the students can't come on campus. That's not going to play out well Mm -hmm. with anybody, right? Right. So I I think that they need to be creative. And I started sitting there thinking, how do you become creative to create money, right, to to find a way to fund? And if you can't have fans, do you take cameras and you shoot the games in certain viewpoints in the stadium and maybe you start charging that feed where you could watch the game from that feed? And you can generate some money. I don't know. I, I'm just starting to think. How do you how do you uh, think outside the box here to generate some revenue? Because no matter what, if we have college football without fans, the ratings will be out the roof.
2: Right. right? right.
1: We need to find a way to monetize that, it, right. and that is on college campuses. How do you make money putting together a game where fans can't come outside of the, just what we're seeing on TV? Right. Uh, I think that's uh, to guys that are smarter than me, you know?
0: How do you view it towards Temple? I mean, you have the Power Five. Yeah. And the Power Five is going to do their own thing. We know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. The Americans in a tricky spot because the geographic demands of that conference, the revenue is not there compared to other con- the Power Five. Yep. And a place like Temple, which is paying exorbitant rent down at the link, yeah, doesn't have their own facility. It gets real tough for a program like Temple football, you yeah. know, in a lot of ways.
1: That's a great point, and, and that's a slippery slope here. And then you got a, a, the one thing that stands out here is the travel, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you don't have any um, local rivals that that plays a huge role here in in trying to understand how do you sustain the group of 5 uh, or other programs outside the power 5 and the group of 5 and you got to start thinking may, maybe you make a call and you call up Villanova you know you, you call up Rutgers you call up Maryland hey let's play these games here now i'm also bringing up Rutgers and Maryland they may say we're just going to play conference games this year right. you know but some of that may be travel. And, and, you know, like Penn State can look around and say, who are we going to play? Ohio State? Uh, can we go to Indiana and p- potentially play Indiana and Purdue? I-, I think if they stick everything to just conference games, you need to start looking at uh, – let's look at some regional friends here. So it's, it's – uh, you give the opportunity to, to some of these kids uh, to play their senior year and to showcase themselves. But here's the other thing. You brought a, another great point. Why would you play in the link? You know, especially with the rent. Like, can you find another place if you're not going to have the fans there? Franklin
0: Field, maybe.
1: Right? I mean, well, that, well,
2: that's going to cost rent too. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I understood. <laughs>
1: uh, that, that's a fair point, but why would you pay the rent that that, that you're paying to the Eagles?
2: <laughs> no, I'm saying it, but Franklin Field has never come simply either. No. Uh, okay. like but, I mean, maybe the Eagles, in their infinite wisdom, would cut them a break. No, I'm not saying they would. you
0: holding your breath on that one? I'm not No. In my breath,
2: but in these circumstances, Yes. Maybe. Maybe
0: they it's revenue.
1: Maybe they would, yes. Uh, you know, good faith kind of deal um, because, again, uh, you can't be bringing Especially so. if
2: you know that no, very few fans are going to be there. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: Kevin, uh, you know, obviously, you're Mr. Temple. I mean, yeah. at this point. Just talk about your – your your love of the school, I, you and I were at, on campus around the same time. I was 93 to 95 before they asked me to leave. Um, Just how much you love Temple and what it's done for you.
1: Uh, Kevin, it's such a unique story for me because originally uh, I had nine choices. Uh, well, I applied to nine schools. And my mom insisted on Temple, and I was like, I'm not staying here local. I'm going to Syracuse to be the next Bob Costas, or I'm going to USC <laughs> to stay on the beach, right? Um, I had applied to schools like Michigan State, uh, which was my first school to get in. Uh, schools like Fairleigh Dickinson, where the financial aid was there. I, I was looking at... Uh, Michigan and Northwestern and again, a USC and uh, I want to go to Pepperdine, you know, when you're 18 years old, like, yeah, hey, let's go everywhere. Let's live the greatest life in the world. I chose Syracuse because I knew I wasn't going to study at USC. I thought I was going to be in the beach every single day. And turns out I didn't study at Syracuse either. <laughs> so <laughs> I was there for a semester. Um, it, it snowed a lot. And I hated it. And, and um by the end of October I knew I was wasting my parents' money. Um and so I, I transferred the temple and let, the reason why I love Temple and I'm not shy about it because it gave me opportunity. And, you know, the perfect example, you're in market four. So first thing I you know, I got the chance to be uh um a, senior editor uh, in the sports department at the temple news. And I had to learn how to write, but then you got to understand too. And I was with Kern a lot on, on, on this stuff where, you know, Cheney was still in his heyday and, you know, Aaron and Eddie were there. And mm-hmm. it, it, this was, this was a fun time. And all the big teams are coming into Philadelphia to play. You know, we had the Dukes of the world, UMass Steelers- <laughs> spectrum, UMass, of course, so I had the chance to cover a, a team every single night, or every two or three nights, and and watch ESPN come in, and it was just great. It gave me great experience, you know. And and I, would, I the cool thing for me was I, I I talked to all the guys that were around at the Daily News and the Inquirer, and um you know all the local TV stations, and I would. Write the story covering Temple basketball and then read what Kern wrote the next day and compare. Hey, did I see it the same way he saw it? And then I had the chance to talk to Kern at like, you know, with the Ron Dickerson football, you know, luncheons. And then <laughs> pick his brain. Remember? Remember oh, those? God. Boy. And then, and then our boy Stephen A. Smith walk in with a Knicks uh, outfit. And, yeah. went, you know, Nick's jumpsuit. And I had the chance to talk to Stephen A. Smith back then and run into Dickie V and John Saunders. And what I, I realized that if I had a Temple degree in Market 4, it opened the doors into every single newsroom because there were so many Temple guys everywhere. And that helped me get five internships um, and it helped me get jobs at like WIP, uh, the fan, uh, which was that magazine. I was interning there and then, you know, helped me get my first job at Ross productions, which was doing the Philadelphia Inquirer high school sports show. And it was run by temple guys. So to me, uh, when I got out of school, I knew that it was all my temple connections that opened the door to get me everywhere. And, um, I was really proud of that. And, and I also noticed too, that, uh, I take great pride in things, and I'm super competitive. And I was really sick of the Syracuse BS being, "Oh, they're the best." Sport. And I said, "You know what? No, Temple could hold its chops in the East Coast with any university anywhere if you take advantage of what they give you." And so, I, you know, early on in my career outside of uh, outside of Temple, I made sure to to brag on that school because I believed in it. And I always said, they give you the opportunity. You got to go up and step up and take advantage of the opportunity. And that's what Temple did. Hey Kevin, so that, covering,
2: Con- covering John Cheney was the best education of my life.
1: 100%. I, and,
2: and I can't, some people you can't kind of describe that to the right way. I learned so much from that man. Yep. been around him and still do. Yep. Um, but it was just a great time. I mean, it was, there was never a dull moment. Some of them were bad. You yes, know, were, you know they weren't all great. But I want to ask you this: What was that Notre Dame Temple football game oh. like for you? Because I had covered all those one win teams in the nineties. Yeah, like that. yeah. That to me was like, the, like you couldn't get, it. they'll never get a better moment than that.
1: Never, never. And it was all the buildup too—the the
2: season that we were having. You know, uh, the, the stuff I was doing. The... It was you guys that helped make that day.
1: Well, the, the cool thing about this was about a month before it happened, Lee Fitting, who, who's the guy that's behind College Game Day, uh, he, he is a genius when it comes to production, understanding how to put together a three-hour show. He came up to me and uh, a, about a month away and was just like, hey, we're looking at the schedule. Just keep doing what you're doing, and I was like, "Don't play with my feelings, Lee." That that is really really <laughs> tough, Lee. You have no idea what you're saying. And and and, Kern, I was there with you when I was at the at the vet, and we watched University of Miami would roll in with four thousand know, uh, fans, sure. and there's a thousand Temple fans, and and they yeah. would just yeah. kick the hell out of us, fifty-five to three. So the concept of 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 us being discussed by anybody at ESPN was pretty ridiculous. So the week of, it was down to Washington State and nah, us. So and Washington State, you know, had the, the crimson flag flag. Never, yep. I mean, they were they were synonymous with game day, but they'd never had the the game day guys go out there. And they they were leaning and they weren't sure. And, um, you know, when they made the announcement, we all know it's, a lot of it had to do with Notre Dame. Sure. But when we put together the whole – the whole uh, week schedule, and they were like, "You're going to do this, you're going to do that." And then I pitched a bunch of ideas, and they're like, "Done, done, done. Let's do it." I was blown away, blown away. And then I was a little concerned. You know, fitting came up to me. and uh, He's like, "Yo, your, your city better show out that that de- that wow. morning." And I that was, was like, a great
0: oh, morning. Fuck.
1: What are we gonna do? And and when we showed up and and made that pl- basically the Constitution Center our place. I was so proud. And then that night, like, by that time, I was wiped out. And I had done three hours of TV that morning. Did the I joined the game day guys just to see what they were doing behind the scenes because it was like a pinch-me moment, like never in my mind, right? And then going to the game, I got a text from an executive saying, if Temple wins tonight, <laughs> I'm going to take you on the field. You're going to do all the post-game interviews. Like, you're wow. going to be doing all this. Uh, to be honest with you, I was two drinks in. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. What are we gonna do? I've got to find a way to sober up, especially with three, especially
0: three and a half minutes to go, and you're up.
1: Oh man, yeah. Let me tell you. But by that time, I had sobered up. But like the rest of the the rest of the game, I was like, all right, drink water, drink <laughs> water,
2: drink water. Drink See, we made, made that night, and I walked to South Philly. I parked my car where my son was staying at the time because I didn't want to. So we walked like a mile. It's yeah. Like the drums, you know. But the fact that the game was great. Like, it was that amazing. Was most, like, two touchdowns. You know, everybody would walk around and say, okay, the game was amazing. And then Matt came in afterwards and said, we're not happy that we lost. You know, we wanted to win the game. It, it, was, it was just not it,
1: it, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And you know what? In the end, like you said, Mike, I, I think regardless of what we did, that whole production-wise and how the city came out, we had to show up that night. Mm-hmm. And to hear Notre Dame fans come up to us and say, yo, I had no idea. You know? And I just – I think about the
2: safety and the cornerback in that corner. Like, what were they doing? Uh, but Kaiser was amazing in that game. pulled well, the amazing. kid was amazing. <laughs> After that, When they got the ball back, they threw that pitch. That kid was open. Yes, the he was. <laughs> safety made a great play, came over. And I remember John Christopher, I think his name was. I interviewed him like a couple of days later. I said, so if that kid doesn't come over here, I score." And I don't know if – you know, really like a minute and a half left in the game or something. But it was just, it made me, I don't say it the story, but it made me proud. Yeah. yeah going to all the Ron Dickerson's and all that kind of stuff. Jerry
0: Burns.
2: Oh. Yeah, and, and Bruce was great, and Jerry was great. They were all great guys. Yeah. But that night, and it was all because of Matt Rule.
1: 100%. And now he's
2: making $100 million coaching the Panthers.
1: And, 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 and I got to tell you the other thing, too, in that season. That Penn State game exercised oh, a lot of demons for a lot of alumni, like a lot of alumni.
2: And I made, kick, I made kick the rim, right?
1: They they beat the hell out of Christian Hackenberg. Like yeah, they, they they made. He
0: him. never recovered.
1: He never recovered. He was like a first round pick, and I don't what know how that? the Jets <laughs> took him when they took him. He should have been like a, a six round pick after that game. And here's the other thing: it was lightning in the bottle too, Kern. Like you brought it up, uh, the Eagles were really bad that year. So that became that, – that team became Philadelphia's football team. Remember, yeah. that the Eagles were really, really bad. So when ESPN showed up, it was like, wait a second, this is our city. This is a football town for Temple now.
0: And the yeah. thing also, Kev, that was when Penn State lost that game. That's when a lot of alumni started turning on James Franklin. Yes. And then a year later – James Franklin kind of redeemed himself after the Minnesota game, and they they go and beat Ohio State. Well,
1: I I believe that if if Temple would have won that game in Penn State at Penn State the following year, Matt Rule would have been the head coach. Yeah, I think I think Morehead State. I think more the hiring of Moorhead – saved James Franklin, bringing that offense and opening things up. It changed everything. But Franklin had to beat – he had to beat Matt Rule because the alumni at Penn State were like, whoa, whoa, how is this – how is a former Penn State guy – Beating who, us who twice. With <laughs> Joe Pa not here with us coaching our team. You know what, though? It worked out okay for Matt. It did. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I thought he made a mistake going to Baylor. And I'm, let me tell you, I, I've talked to Matt and – I
2: he 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 made the right decision to leave. Well, he, he, was just to close leave. Going, he was just close to going to Oregon. If Oregon had given him another year, yep. I think – but when people said to me, they go, why is he going to Wake? I said, well, first of all, they had a husband trophy winner in 2012. They missed the playoffs by one game in like 2014. Yeah. I said, I, I didn't think he would get to within a field goal of making the playoffs last year. But I knew he wasn't going to fall in his face either.
1: No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I thought that he needed, uh, you know, what he did two years ago, you know, at six wins going to the bowl game was incredible yep. after year one. Yep. But I yep. thought the last year was supposed to be like a nine win season. Then he yep. would leave. Right. Uh, to, to see what he did is 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 damn impressive. And, he, and it just goes back to his roots that his formula works. He slowed everybody down. We're going to punch you in the face and then we'll get a little creative. You know, you talk about a
2: guy, you talk about a guy like when two walks into a room, when Matt Rule walks into a room. Yep. And Al Golden was a little bit like that, too. Yeah. But Matt Rule owns the room.
1: Yes, he does.
0: 100%. Kevin, last question here. I know you love ESPN, and you love this. How, I do. How much do you love? How much would you love being in this market, though, full time? It's so, a really
1: good question, Kevin. So, uh, ESPN was my dream. My second dream job was to be uh, uh, on Action News Channel Six because uh, Gary Papa was my idol, one of my idols, and he was a mentor. God bless him. And uh, I-, I flirted with the idea about 10, uh, 10 years ago to go back
0: when Deuces. Uh, I- <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I-, I flirted with that idea. Um, a backstory to it. Maybe in my book I can explain why it never happened. Uh, but after uh, – and it had nothing to do with me, uh, and it had nothing to do with ABC, uh, you know, WPVI. It just didn't work. And so the only job I would ever yeah, – looking back, the only job I would have ever come back to Philadelphia for was Michael Barkan's job because I think he has the best job around, and I think he is – so talented. I, I think I think our city sometimes takes them for granted.
2: But you would have <laughs> had to deal with us idiots every night on DM. <laughs> who, who do you got?
1: So, so that would have been probably the only way I would have gone back. But to, to see that my dreams have come true with college football and then doing Sports Center and, and all the other things that I do with ESPN, it, it'd be really tough for me to go back. But let me tell you, Kevin, it's a really good question because I miss the area badly like uh, my wife's a a, a floridian and she she's she's married into philadelphia because of me but she when she comes down to visit with us and she sees the neighborhood she's like i get it i understand why you love the place and i'm like yeah yeah and it never leaves me i'm in connecticut and this as you can see the man cave is impressive
0: we We got got a schmitty you got a schmitty jersey in the background there right
1: yeah we got real quick before we go yeah we got Schmitty over here, next to my daughter's dollhouse. In the good <laughs> color
2: jersey too.
1: Oh, the best color! That's I, I best convinced color, Schmitty. Man. I ran into Schmitty in the uh, lobby at ESPN after he did a Mike and Mike hit, and I said, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I just finished Mike and Mike." I said, "I got to get you on Sports Center," and I, uh, you know, there's a picture. The yeah, uh, I got a little layer over here of just uh, Philly stuff. You know, oh, uh, the, the Doc Holliday picture. Yeah. Um, and then you guys would appreciate this because it's a little old school and it's one of my favorite pictures uh, of all time and
0: It's, that. <laughs> uh, it's Doc and Larry uh, Doc and Larry Bird choking each other. Yes, yes. from the Boston Garden. So well, you know what that game actually was
1: uh, an exhibition game yes. in uh, in Connecticut. Yeah it was yeah. in Hartford and both men denied that they touched each other. So uh, <laughs> I have that picture. Uh, makes me happy. And then, you know what, real quick, because, you know, my love for the Eagles. We've got a couple of, uh, like, b
0: Dawkins picture. Yep. The, the uh, one that.
1: Yep. And then this is the Super Bowl. You flew
0: to that game, right?
1: Yeah, I flew that morning. That, that was one of the craziest days of my life. <laughs> and then something from the Sixers.
0: That's awesome.
1: And a couple of. Uh, the stuff. World
0: Series banners. Yeah, but, Kevin,
2: you can't get a good roast pork sandwich up there, right?
0: Nowhere. Nowhere.
2: <laughs> let me tell you, though. Let me tell you. There's something in Norwich called
1: uh, Philly's, right? I got to go soon because I got to. Uh, yeah, not a problem. But 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 these these two brothers, they, they lived in South Philly. Their mom moved to Connecticut, so they moved with her. And they missed cheesesteaks, authentic ones. So they opened up a shop wow. called Philly's. And it's in Norwich near Mohegan Sun. Authentic. They got hers, tasty cakes. Do they Without
2: have long? Her, Do they have long?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I didn't high. see that. But what I'm thinking, they ship the bread from yes, Philly. Yeah. Oh wow. So they've
2: got all the authentic rolls, and it is phenomenal. Like Mal- it is. Malik is- Rose, when he was in San Antonio, did the same thing. He opened up a shop. He bought the tasty cakes in the, the whole, and he shipped the he shipped the bread in.
0: Yes, that's the key. It's the bread. It's the bread.
2: Yes. Know it's the water. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kevin Nagandi
0: from ESPN. Kevin, thanks for thanks doing so much, this. Kevin. Good hey, luck. My pleasure. I hope, hope we can talk to you again soon.
1: Yeah, this is a lot of fun, guys. Thank you so yeah. much. All right?
0: Kevin no. Nagandi from ESPN, and we'll be back right after this. Thanks to Kevin Nagandi for joining us. Uh, apologies. There were some technical sound issues that uh, you may be hearing in the background. Yeah. Uh, just the way technology is sometimes here on uh, on the show. And I can actually go back to my regular microphone because I was worried about the echo coming. There we go. Um, some good times. And, and you, you know, it's funny. Anybody who ever covers Temple talks about working with you, you realize that. Kevin, you know, it's funny.
2: I don't really remember Kevin when he was at Temple. I, I,
0: I well, there was mention. a ton of students coming in and out. Some Like
2: John DiCarlo. You know John. I know John. John's a great guy.
0: One of the greatest guys. Well, and, and
2: I, there's so many of them that have come down the road over the years. And some I stayed pretty close to when I was actually still working. And they were all good guys. You know, they, they all did their jobs. But it's amazing. I mean, I covered Temple for a long time. And I covered John Chaney. And I wasn't lying. You were around enough. Yeah. John Cheney was an education. He was, and the football. Stuck.
0: And half the conversation, the, the most meaningful conversations were the ones you didn't report on. It was the um, stuff on the back, on background.
2: The Christmas Eve shows on, on podcast. Yeah. But the football was so bad. It was such a joke. And to see it, and look, they're still in the six, you know, they're still not Alabama and they're never going to be. And I get all that. But just to see it come to a point with, especially with Matt, where it was relevant, yeah, and to be there when Al when Al Golden came in and to see what he did and how he was talking about it, and um, you know,
0: and yeah, Matt and Matt and even like Jeff Collins, I think did a decent job keeping it oh, going. Jeff,
2: Jeff would have been fine. Uh And look, this new guy might be fine too. It's just a, it's a little bit of a different direction. Um, I think Jeff was, and and maybe Manny Diaz. I mean, I have I think if Jeff had stayed there. A little bit, it would. But no coach stays there. That's the problem. Well,
0: yeah, and and that's you know? that's not a bit. You know, they've mentioned. I think Pat Sharp is their AD, and his words were. Or, I'm ben. sorry, Pat Kraft, not Pat Sharp. Right. Yeah, yeah, former former Blackhawk, <laughs> Pat Sharp. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Pat Kraft has said, if I have to change coaches every three years, that means we're doing something right because that means that our program has been successful and people want to take them. So. Well, that
2: was Bill Bradshaw's line when he hired Al. Yeah. And he said to people, look, if I'm if Al's looking for a job, people are looking at Al three or four years from now, then I did my job, which he did. And, and Al was perfect for what they needed at that time. But the one problem is, is I think with this hire, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, I just say in a different way, I think after they got burned a little bit with Manny, through no fault of their own. They went safer. So, I think they went safer for a guy who might stay there a while. And that could turn out to be a good thing. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that. But, you know, we all knew that Matt wasn't staying there forever. I mean, there was no way. He could have left a year earlier if, 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 if Missouri had interested him more, I guess. Um, and that's just the way the world works. That whole conference is that way. All the good coaches, the guy at Houston left for Texas, the guy Memphis has left twice, you know, once for Virginia Tech, and I forget where the guy went. Norville went, yeah. But that's what that league is. Those, you know, they, those guys don't stay there. They you know, Scott Frost goes to Central Florida and does a great job, and then goes somewhere else.
0: Nebraska, right? Yeah. Uh, um let, let Let's go and change topics. Obviously, the NFL draft uh, started on Thursday night, uh, rounds two and three this evening. Eagles do have two picks, um, and they
2: did they did do a good job, didn't they, Kevin?
0: Oh, I thought the technical end of it, yeah, was incredible. Uh, I yeah. mean, and, and you know, look, I'll give a lot of credit. Who was
2: doing? Were you? I, I was. I look. I don't watch the whole draft. I was kind of following on. On. ESPN. I watched I the whole thing. Okay, so so um, Trey was doing ESPN. ESPN right? and who was doing ABC? Reese
0: Davis. They had their college game day crew basically doing. Okay,
2: and who was doing NFL Network? Was that no, like, no, no?
0: They NFL the Network thing? and ESPN did the uh, joint feed. Okay, I got you. Okay, um, and that's why I was just gonna say, look for for Wingo last night. Even with that bad suit, um, it was horrible. Oh.
2: I mean, doesn't somebody stop him? Whenever guys come out with those kind of jackets, <laughs> with the, the pinstripes have to be thin, don't they? Like you look like I'm not
0: Mister Blackwell. I don't know. No, I'm I not mean,
2: either, but it stands out. Like you're looking at it and going, "Oh my god!" Like, but you know,
0: but whatever. but it. Wingo having to play traffic cop to, yeah. you know, nine different analysts and the commissioner. And by the way, Roger Goodell looked. He's plastic. He's oh plastic. my God. It was so awful. But that's who he is. I mean, I mean
2: that's, you know, the, the, and, and I think not having looking back Todd at
0: the screen going, come on guys, let's not, go.
2: Wasn't going to happen. But I think not having Todd McShay obviously hurts too, because Todd right. and Mel play off each other. So well. that'll
0: really hurt on saturday when you get to the fourth in the set through seventh round when they're both kind of yeah you know when people are mining for information um but but uh, you know you and i uh, we talked about with kevin a little bit you know jalen Rieger, um it's going to be the comparison between him and justin jefferson and that's going to be the clear you know howie roseman was pretty clear that this was the guy they targeted in fact they they mentioned they were afraid he would get picked before to him, right? Um, but you know, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the publications that you trust, you know, between Kuiper and McShea and a couple of the other guys, our lads had basically a second round grade on Rieger.
2: Hey, is anybody? Let me ask you a question: Has anybody picked somebody and said it wasn't the guy they were targeting?
0: Well, uh, that's true.
2: I mean, like I remember a few years ago, the Eagles have done this before. Remember when they took Marcus Smith? Yep. Um, and he was a guy who had, like, third-round grade. That was, yeah. And the Eagles, and look, if Rigger turns out to be a really good player, you're not going to care. It, it, it won't matter. Even if Jefferson's good, you'll, you'll say, okay, we got a good player. Their recent history of drafting, with drafting. Scares fields, you. But drafting, what? Exactly, absolutely it scares you. And it always seems like the reason it scares you is they go in directions you didn't think they were going to go in. Um, now look, Miles Sanders, I think was a really good pick. Um, you know, the jury, you know, you got to let him play four or five or six years, but there's the doubts now on the guy they took the offensive lineman last year. There's yeah. He
0: was like, reportedly on the trade block last night. Well, which...
2: yeah, but then somebody wrote, I think it was Les wrote that they couldn't confirm those reports. Right. You know, Derek Gum was
0: the one who reported it.
2: Yeah. So maybe who, who knows? I, I find it hard to believe you would trade your first round pick from last year.
0: Because Especially after you let Jason Peters go.
2: Yeah, but then you'd have to get another lineman somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's exactly now, the point.
2: Um. So, but it just seems like, and Whiteside, you know, look, Whiteside might turn out to be a good player. I, I'm not going to write him off after one year, but it's just when you see the guy from, from Seattle and guys who got taken after you guys playing really well in playoff situations, and I'm saying, I don't know, maybe Jefferson didn't fit them as well as this guy does because this guy's going to be Deshaun Jackson. So last year they drafted yeah. Alshon Jeffries' replacement. This year they're they're drafting Jackson's replacement. Okay,
0: a guy caught
2: five touchdown passes in the national semifinal.
0: And Justin against, Jefferson.
2: And that, and that doesn't mean it's going to translate to being, you know, an all-pro in the NFL, but my God. I mean, you know, and even some of the other players that got taken – after him it'll be interesting i think there was like two other lsu players got drafted after him but you just have to hope that they got it pretty right um you know and but what scares me just as much is the fact that cd lamb's going to be running down the field for the cowboys um well
0: and and you wonder like and obviously we're we're taping this at around noon on friday so um you know some of you are going to hear this and it's going to be after the draft has started. So I don't want to get too much into what do they do game rounds two and three and all that. But you almost wonder if there's a premium. Now there was a lot of talk about the Eagles going linebacker at some point here, boy, I, I think, you know, with what the, with the CD lamb and up in Dallas and uh, you know, they're off They're It's an Eagle cowboy division at this point. Okay. Well, for the time, being, for the time yeah. being, you may have to look at your secondary again and, and go and try to find uh, something, you know. Early, maybe try to find a way of getting a top secondary guy. You know, Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama, is still out there. Do do you? Do yeah, you, but is he
2: going to be out there twenty three picks from there? Well, and that's the
0: question. Picks. Yeah, do you? I, you, you know, I would not be Do you that. get real aggressive? Antoine Winfield's well, another one.
2: I, I just don't know how aggressive you can get with their lack of picks. I mean, it, it's easy to sit I, here. I, and Mike, tra-
0: thank you for bringing that up. I should point this out. I said the other day, and I'm correcting myself, that you couldn't trade compensatory picks. That used to be the rule. I think in 2018 or 2017 it changed. So they could right. trade some of their picks if they want to package it. Right, but up. you have
2: to find, A, you have to find the spot you want to move up to. Right. B, you have to find somebody who's willing, willing to, to
0: trade. You,
2: and. It's not always easy. I mean obviously it's done a lot. so if I was the Eagles and this is just me, I think either in the second or third round. and do they have two third rounders Kevin or just one just one. okay, I would take another wideout, provided you're not you know you're not reaching for a guy who's going to be a fifth round pick because then and I, I think there's gonna be enough guys out there that when they pick 53rd, I could be wrong. Um, and it may be a little bit of a stab because it would not be one of the top four or five receivers, obviously. But I think I would. I, I would really think about that unless...
0: Like a guy like Denzel Mims from, from Baylor? A
2: quarterback or something or safety that absolutely jumps out at you at that point. Because I don't think linebacker, even though I think they need linebackers, I'm just not sure if the way the game is played today or the way Schwartz coaches the game maybe you can get that later in the draft. And that doesn't mean the guy you're going to get in the fourth round is going to turn out to be any good.
0: All four, oh, all four safeties on their roster to Mike, um, all four safeties are are, are one-year deals. Like, they, they only have yeah, for next year. I hear you. Um, but,
2: you know, Kevin, you can always, you know, and that's true. But, you know, you can always play like that for one year, and then in free agency next year, you know, you go out or you do what they did with getting the cornerback from Detroit. I mean, you know. We're looking at it as well. We want to, you know, we're looking at two, three, four years from now. They they may not be in a position. The way this team has been created, not having a young roster, you know, they're in a weird position because they're not like rebuilding, so to speak. But we don't think they're going to be a contender this year. I mean, a legit contender. They, I think they could be a playoff team or they could whatever. Um. So how do you look at it, you know? But yet we're saying that they got a lot of one year guys. Yeah. yeah, So I don't know what that means.
0: I mean, you know, ESPN on their list of needs, Eagles, Eagles are listed as wide receiver, corner, inside and the outside linebacker, and a safety. Right. I mean, right.
2: and you're not going to let let you know this, and I know this, Kevin. Unless you really have the greatest draft you've ever had, you are not going to fill all those things. No. You might draft a corner, a safety, two linebackers, and another receiver, but that doesn't mean any of them are going to help you or help you a lot. You know, we're, see that was the, my problem with the guy they took, and especially this year because it's going to be a different kind of year, probably. Do you think he's going to have an impact this year? Ureger? Yeah.
0: Um, I think he's going to have to if they're going to do anything.
2: Yeah, but you ha- think? How about you just answered that question? Uh, like, I, I, like you know, they're
0: going mean, to? He's going to play.
2: But if you would have drafted Jefferson, all I'm saying is
0: Jefferson's more ready. To,
2: he would have had, yes. Now, that doesn't mean four years from now or five years from now. probably
0: could be the better player, yeah.
2: Yes. But what I'm saying is, to me, for a team that needed an impact with a quarterback who's going into his fifth year and hasn't played in a playoff game, and you don't know what Jeffrey's situation is, you really don't know what um, Deshaun's situation is, you don't even know what Whiteside's situation is. I mean, I... You know, What's he going to give you this year? I
0: and, and, and this is something. I'm actually, in a strange way, I was glad. They were connected with Brandon Ayuk uh, from Arizona State um, right? also last night you know, before they made the pick. I, I'm glad that they didn't take Ayuk because you talk about history with the wide receiver hole that they've had. They've been bad at Pac-12 wide receivers between yeah. Aguilar and Mitchell and and Arkea Whiteside and all that, and they've it was almost good for Ayuk's situation that he didn't come here because he would have been immediately cast with that light of oh, another Pac-12 wide receiver coming in here
2: well but yeah but you just drafted a guy who, who supposedly first of all he's identified as a gadget receiver whatever and pump
0: returner yeah fine
2: um you took a guy if you're looking at production he's a guy who apparently has problem dropping the ball mm-hmm. okay I don't know this because fumble I issues fumble issues and He only had 300 yard games. This guy's supposed to be a game breaker. He's supposed to be getting a 60 yard or 70 yard touchdown every third game or something like that. They were basically
0: throwing the TCU quarterbacks under the bus when they were talking about him last night.
2: That's fine. I'm not saying he played with Tua or you have, but I I don't know. I'm just, if their projections in the past five years have been better, I'd feel better about this. Their projections haven't been too good, so you know. So now I'm supposed to believe that all of a sudden they got smart. I don't know. I guess you got to get smart sometimes.
0: Do you I think sometimes? Do you think sometimes they? And I do. I think that they think they're, yeah, you know, they think they're the smartest person in the room, whatever room they walked in.
2: Yeah, but and I think teams, it hurts them. Yeah, but a lot. I think Kevin. A lot of teams are like that. I mean, the Phillies are like that. The Sixers are like that. You know, t- show me a pro team that doesn't think they're the smartest ones. You know, Popovich did it his way for years. Um, Belichick is, at, you know, Belichick does things, and we sit there and shake our heads. And then they win another Super Bowl. I mean, you know, some guys are smart. Yeah, I mean, I think what we're going to do, we're going to look back, at, and I'm not saying the Eagles are going to fall off the, the face of the earth. They're going to be a good team, I'm guessing. Doug, you know, Doug, won- they won a Super Bowl, and that makes all this okay. We're going to look back 10 years from now, or 15, and we might say, I think we're starting to do that already, and say, how the hell did they win the Super Bowl?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's okay. It doesn't matter how they won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. Uh, other teams have gotten to the Super Bowl, like Carolina. You know, they got to the Super Bowl, they had that great season and couldn't finish it, and, you know, now they're, they're kind of rebuilding now. So the fact that the Eagles won it was a great thing. But I, I just – I don't know what they do in their draft, how how they, you know, we, all we heard was Joe Douglas was this great personnel guy. Okay, well, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Sanders certainly looks like a good draft pick. But let's say for the sake of argument, the tackle they took last year in Whiteside both turned out to be average. Average. Really? You know, I mean, you know, you, you can't, you, you just can't, you can't. And they're both Pac-12 guys. Um, which, like you kind of said, I mean, that doesn't mean nobody from the Pac-12 can play. That would be a stupid statement.
0: No, but um, it, but in this town, people do remember where guys come from, and they see cringe. How many guys it
2: from the SEC got drafted last night. Yeah, ton like half the first round, and that doesn't ensure that all those guys are going to be. No, good. but it's the, it shows
0: Burrow, the level of football that's played well, in the Joe SEC. Burrow
2: might I still have my doubts about Joe Burrow because he had one phenomenal season. Maybe the best season any college quarterback's ever had. But he had one. I mean, I well, I'll tell you the, my Joe Burrow he was thing. Good coming out of high school. I, I, so he,
0: I'll tell you my Joe Burrow thing. I worry about Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow's going to the Bengals. I mean,
2: yeah, but, but remember this, though, Kevin. The Bengals did make the playoffs like five or six times in, a, in like a nine-year span. They just couldn't win a playoff game. I mean, they weren't like a horrible franchise. They just wouldn't win a playoff game.
0: But and you know it's tough to say any NFL owner is cheap because their salary restrictions and their salary, both positive, you know, at the bottom and the top of the cap. Okay, but they're cheap. But they're cheap. Yeah. And 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 the things necessary to put around Burrow, that's I don't think that's, I think that's what's going to hurt Joe Burrow more than whatever Joe Burrow will do himself on the field. I, I think the, the the desire to be the, uh, a top-flight quarterback is obviously there with Burrow. You don't do what he did last year at LSU without it. My question yeah. is, will they surround him with the tools? You know, training, coaching, personnel.
2: Well, Andy Dalton made the playoffs like five times, okay?
0: And I think and Andy I mean, Dalton's I mean, a decent quarterback.
2: No, no. But what I'm just saying is they must have been doing something right during that time frame. The last couple of years, yes, they haven't. Last year, they stunk, which is why they got Joe Burrow. But I'm saying for like five years, two, they were winning the division. I mean, they were beating out the Steelers. They were. I mean, they had good teams that, for whatever reason, and only Marvin Lewis could explain to me, they couldn't win in the playoffs. And sometimes that happens. But we're not talking about a franchise that has stunk for the last ten years. So, uh, they have shown the ability to put a good football team on the field. Whether they can do it going forward, I I, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, I don't think the Steelers are quite the team the Steelers used to be. Uh, I mean no, they're not
0: bad, though, right now. Ball, yeah, Baltimore's, Baltimore's the good. class of division. Yeah, you're uh, right.
2: But let's say in three years the Bengals are a decent football team. You know, the Steelers, I don't know what the Steelers are going to be at that point or what Cleveland's going to be at that point. or You know, I, I'm just saying, I mean, uh, I, I don't think he's – I agree with you in principle. But every guy that gets taken out of college goes to that situation. Yeah. Cam Newton went to that situation. W- Jameis Winston went to that situation. Um, Goff went to that situation. I mean, tell me a guy that gets drafted number one or two or three who goes to a good team. doesn't happen. No. Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, and Akili Smith all went to horrible teams. That's why you're drafting first or second or third, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I no, understand.
2: Yeah, I mean, the guy who went to the Giants last year, he went to a bad team. Yeah, he did. He got drafted six. Two is going to a bad team. They won four games last year. Um, the Chargers were a bad team last year. Um, that's why you get drafted where
0: you get well, drafted. There's a difference also. Like, I'll, I'll go with the Chargers. And, and I agree with what Ke- Kevin said about Herbert. I, I, you know, I think he has the potential to be really good, he just has to be. More assertive and better, a little better with his decision making than he was last year at Oregon. Um, but the Chargers, the Chargers had some pieces. The Chargers defensively are really good. The Chargers have some weapons on the outside. You know, I think that's a good spot for him. I think. Well, they couldn't
2: protect their quarterback. No, and it, that's a that's a bad spot. And their quarterback little
0: started little. to regress quickly.
2: Yeah, but if you're a rookie quarterback and they can't protect you and you're getting mm-hmm. hit all the time, I mean that's what happened to Cam Newton eventually. Yeah, you know he just got hit too much. But look at that! Look, you got four quarterbacks taken in the first round, three in the top six picks. You most the intriguing
0: the one's round. the one in, at twenty six or twenty five.
2: Well, yeah. So there's three. In, it's four quarterbacks, right? Got yeah, four
0: quarterbacks. Court. But okay. the Jordan Love thing is the most intriguing to me. But, but the go of ahead.
2: Those four. All four aren't going to. Pro- the logic tells you that all four are not going to be studs in this league. Um, logic tells you that one of them probably will be, maybe two of them. Um, yeah, you know, the jury's still out on Wentz and Goff, yeah. and Wentz and Goff are pretty good players. I mean, one guy went to a Super Bowl, one guy would have won an MVP in his second year. But there are no, no. Even if you go back to that great draft with all with the with with Marino and Elway. You know, and there was a couple guys... there's was Todd Blackledge. I mean, Couch, McNabb, Achilles Smith. What more do you have to know? Three guys, two stunk. One turned out to be a close to a Hall of Fame type player. If Couch had come to the Eagles and McNabb had went to the Browns, maybe Couch is the guy who would have had the almost Hall of Fame career. But, and we won't know for two... Or, you know, everybody wants to say today who's going to be what. We, we don't know. Yeah, Tua could break his hip again in week five. Um you know, uh it it's it's I don't think let me ask you a question. Do you think Burrow, Tua, or or um Herbert, any of them will be in the playoffs next
0: year? Um I'll give you this. I think Tua has the best shot of the bunch. Because wow. Look, I mean, look, all right. But, you know, Cincinnati's got to go up against Baltimore. And I think Pittsburgh is going to probably be a playoff contender. Um You got
2: you got to put your 401k one way or the other.
0: Do you I think do any it. of them will get in? No.
2: Okay, well, that's all I'm saying. One of them.
0: But the best I, shot, I think maybe Tua.
2: Well, I mean, you just told me the Chargers were a pretty good team 2 years ago. So Yeah, but uh, there, Yeah, you know, okay, but but
0: I'll also tell you that I think One of the things that the Chargers are going to – I mean, obviously, the Chargers had the Chiefs in their division. Yeah,
2: they're in a bit. I agree, but they're 17. Look, none of these – Now, with seven
0: teams, yeah, maybe you get in.
2: None of these teams are winning the division next year. No. If they get in, they're getting in as the seventh or the sixth team. I mean, we know that going in. I'm just saying is, you know, we see these guys get drafted. I mean, even like Kyler Murray last year. Kyler Murray had a decent year, especially towards the end of the year. They're probably not making the playoffs this year. I mean, I'm saying they might. But you know they're in a tough division. You know, whatever. Um, the quarterback is an essential part of it. But you know, like I said, as good as Carson Wentz has been, and, and I mean he hasn't been great. He was great in his second year for 13 games. He was yeah. great. Last year he was very he was he was, he was
0: okay. He was, he was a little for a lot okay for a was, large, a, large a large part, part of the season he was okay. just okay.
2: Right. So and Goff regressed last year. Well, the team regressed, but he regressed. So I mean, you know, Cam Newton's looking for a job. J- Jameis Winston's looking for a job. So what does that tell you about all these guys that get taken way up there? There's and I, no guarantee. And then, then the guy from Seattle gets taken in the third round. Dak Prescott gets taken in the fourth round. And I'm not saying Dak's great, but he's pretty good. And Wilson is really good. So you know, I
0: you you brought this up. You said none of those three will win the division, and that's... Not probably, next year. Not next year. I'm just, but it brings up the question, all right? You know, obviously, the, the North, you got to figure Baltimore or Pittsburgh in the AFC. The West, you're thinking Kansas City, obviously. Who who would you say is the favorite in the AFC East right now?
2: Uh, it's either Buffalo or the New England. Okay. You know well, I mean, probably Buffalo will be the betting favorite. And they probably should be, but Buffalo doesn't necessarily scare me. Um, but they got they got good. You got to remember, Kevin. Every year, the six teams that made the playoffs the year before get replaced. Three, three of them don't make the playoffs. So tell me which three three aren't going to make it. Yeah, you know, is is are is is, is um, Tennessee not going to make it? Is Baltimore not going to make it? Is Kansas City? Um, who else was in the playoffs? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Texans. Um,
0: Texans won't make it.
2: Yeah, okay, but who's going to make? So who's going to win the division? Tennessee's going to win the division. I mean, Jacksonville stinks. Um, who's Indy, the in, team in Indy, Indy, okay, maybe. When
0: now with guys, Rivers like a quarterback, I don't, like,
2: I don't like their quarterback situation. Right, and this is their quarterback situation. Not, there's nothing they're going to do about it now. This is what they are. It'll, um, it'll be. It'll it, be. They went out and got Rivers, right?
0: Yeah, they got Rivers.
2: Okay. I... I yeah, I'll I tell you what. For a one or two-year right two deal, it's not bad. If you're asking me right now this minute, and I know Texans have won, I think, four of the last five I would take Indy. You're right. I, I, I would take the Colts. Or Tennessee. Texans And over
0: Tennessee. Tennessee, uh, Tennessee was really good at the end of the year last year.
2: Let, let's see what this guy does now when he got the big contract. and let, let, Let's see if it was an eight-game mirage or if he's really this good.
0: They still do have Dark Henry.
2: That's fine. And Derrick Henry, at some point, will take so many shots that he'll he'll be walking around like, yeah, you can only...
0: Like every running what, back does. What yeah.
2: Tennessee did last year was remarkable. It was great. But when those things tend to happen in the NFL, it usually doesn't forecast, like, the next three years are going to be like that.
0: Is Dallas the clear favorite in the East?
2: No, I think they're, like, co-favorites. I mean, you know... Dallas has some problems on defense. I don't know what they're going to do the rest of the draft, you know, to to but nobody's repeated in the NFC since 2004. So the Eagles won last year. Uh if Dallas, you know, if Dak isn't a holdout or does something stupid, um, whatever, mm. um, I if you put a gun to my head, I would pick Dallas just by like the thinnest of hairs. You know, I think the Eagles could be a could be a playoff team as well. I think two teams could come out of their division.
0: It's going to be interesting. I mean, and obviously a lot of what happens. And we don't
2: know when they're going to play.
0: Play, and that's yeah. Well,
2: we're saying all this stuff like, you know, this could be one of those years if it's a, if it's if it's all kind of messed up. You know, who does that favor? Well, does it favor the Chiefs because the Chiefs have you know everything in place? I would guess so. Or to, or, or to Baltimore, I guess, you know, you. If, if New England was New England, you'd probably say, oh, my God, you know, yeah, it favors them. But we don't know how any of these teams are going to react. And like you've said, the Eagles at least have their coach and their quarterback, which, you know. And, and a, a
0: decent defense.
2: Uh, Yeah, except they have no linebackers. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it is what it is. The Eagles are going to be a good team. They're going that, whether that means they're going to win eight games, nine games, ten games. I, I don't know. I would think they're like a, a around a ten win team, and I think Dallas is around a ten win team, which probably means it's going to come down to the two games they play each other, and maybe tiebreakers. Now the Vikings. I mean, think about this. I, I think the Vikings are still going to be pretty good, and they got Jefferson. Yeah. Um. So they let Diggs go, which means they got some draft picks coming up. I guess. Um, the Packers could be an interesting situation because really they need a wide receiver or something. Um, or if Devont- Devontae Adams gets hurt, they're done. Um, maybe, I mean, for, you know, do you think the Eagles are, I mean, the Packers won 13 games last year. I look at the Eagles and the Packers. Well, I don't and see to a me, lot of
0: difference. and to me, the Packers are the like the Packers because of what happened last night became really interesting because they, you know, Kevin said this, you know, get, get them a wide receiver. I mean, this was a team that really didn't have any weapons at all. Well, around the second round. I
2: mean, I,
0: well, yeah, but obviously uh, the dynamic, and you and I talked about this uh, before we talked, we met, or we, before we start recording, um, Aaron Rodgers is not a warm and fuzzy guy. Neither was Brett Favre. Does Rodgers learn lessons of how he was treated by Favre, and apply them to Jordan Love for I, I the don't next couple Rodgers, years?
2: What, do, what does it matter? That, you
0: know, do you Rodgers, make it uncomfortable for the kid? Is what you know I'm what? saying.
2: Rodgers was uncomfortable. Oh. He's a whole of Fame quarterback, Kevin. You, you, who cares what happens to Jordan Love in the next two years? Or, 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 or I'm, I'm guessing. Or does
0: Aaron Rodgers just go? bleep it. Aaron
2: Rodgers probably just goes out and plays his game. I'm not saying he's going to treat the kid badly, but he's going to say, I got two or three years. I mean, maybe he thinks he has seven years left. I don't know this, but he's probably going to go to to somebody at some point and say, I need a wide receiver. Uh, you know, they went out last year in the offseason and fixed their defense, and their defense was better last year. Yeah. Um. Maybe they get a wide receiver in the second round, or it, it turns out to be good. Um. Jordan Love is the last thing it, 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 he, he's not going to touch a football in a real game unless Aaron Rodgers breaks a leg for three or four years. So I, I don't, they obviously thought they saw something in this kid that they think, you know, that, like a Garoppolo, like with new England, when they, you know, there's another situation, you know, Brady didn't take him under his wing. No. Okay. And then they, just then they traded him. You know, maybe Jordan love gets traded three years from now. Who knows? I don't know, but I ain't worried about it. I'm just, you know, it's, it's, and then you take a team, there's going to be a team next year that you're not even thinking about. Yeah. I'm not thinking about. Maybe the Bears. You know, may- Who knows? Maybe Nick Foles comes in. Or, I mean, they won 12 games two years ago. Um, or what another team I could say. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think. Seattle made the playoffs this year. Maybe the Rams have a resurgence. Maybe, um, um, I'm trying to think in the South. Maybe Tampa. Yeah, I mean, Tampa, they're, maybe they're a really good team this year. Um the Saints took a pretty good guy. Everybody takes a good it, guy. In the it'll be
0: fascinating as we go into the weekend here, and you start seeing. There's still some decent quarterbacks on the on the board. Jake Fromm's on the board. Um,
2: yeah. If yeah. you think Jake Fromm, see, I see. I'm not a big Jake Fromm guy, but yeah. What do I know? Jacob I
0: mean, Brissett out of Washington, who yeah. obviously. But these,
2: but, but these guys tend to be. Not, you know, every once in a while you get a Russell Wilson and you look great, or you get a Dak Prescott and you look great. But most of the time, the stud guys are the stud guys. You know, the the the, the Philip Rivers, the Mannings, the uh, Mahomes, um, um, yeah, Cam Newton. Um,
0: yeah, on and on and on
2: and on and on. You know, didn't go in the third round.
0: No, he went in um, the second pick, right.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Jake Fromm can't. You know, sometimes those guys. You know, where was Ryan Tannehill taken? I'm trying to remember. Was he? A, he was a, a, a first, first, first
0: round guy. Player?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I look. You can strike. You look. You can always strike gold in any position. But
0: but what what I'm saying is there's also these teams now like the Patriots haven't had a pick yet. Okay, and they're going to be up early in the second round. Will they go quarterback? Will the Colts go quarterback. There's there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of moving pieces here early in the in the well, The second. Colts
2: got got Brissette as their backup. Why would we, I mean? Yeah,
0: but he's he's not. Colts do not have a quarterback under contract beyond this year.
2: All I know is this: if you if, if it, it, it all depends if you get to the second round or the third round, and there's a guy you really like and a need you have, and you take a quarterback instead, I'm not sure that's the right move. Just to say I took a quarterback. If you're convinced that Jake Fromm can be an NFL quarterback. And it won't be next year. And it might not be the year after that.
0: Jalen Hurts is be, another one, by the way.
2: Oh, Jalen Hurts is going to be the next quarterback taken. And there's there's some rumors that the Patriots might be interested in him. I'm a Jalen Hurts guy in college. I don't know what Jalen Hurts can be at the pro level. There's some guys, it's kind of like love. There are some guys who are fairly high on him, some guys who aren't. He seems to be the type of quarterback now that we're seeing more in the NFL. You know, the Lamar Jacksons. I mean, he doesn't run like Lamar, but he runs fairly well. Um, eventually in the NFL, as we, I think we see a lot. You have to be able to throw to football. Because Lamar Jackson's not winning playoff games with his legs. He may hurt you with his legs. You know, Mahomes hurts teams with his legs too. But it's because of what he can do with his arm. Dak Prescott can hurt you with his legs. Wentz sometimes can hurt you with his legs. Not as much now as he used to. Cam Newton, obviously. right? But at some point, the quarterback has to be able to throw the football because that's the way in the NFL you win. Um, And anything that you get as a bonus is great. Um, But, you know, uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson's been great the last two years and has lost two playoff games. That's not all his fault. I don't not mean really. it that way. But, um, you know, it's it's just, yeah, you know, Patrick, I mean, we're going to look back probably 10, 15 years from now. Think about this. Andy Reid moving up from 27 to 10 to get Patrick Mahomes. Think about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the Bears moved up from three to, to two to get their guy, whose claim to fame was that he had beaten, was he the guy to beat Temple in a bowl game? Um,
0: who Mahomes?
2: No, 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 no. The the guy on uh Trubisky. Yeah, he was Wake Forest, right?
0: No, he was North Carolina.
2: Carolina. Okay, the guy that the Giants took last year, which was also Carolina, right? Yeah, he was the guy to beat Temple in the bowl game, like sixty to two. Yep. And threw for all. I'm saying is Andy Reid, whatever Randy Reid, Daniel Jones, about, he picked Donovan McNabb. Now he would have taken Couch. But everybody would have taken Couch. And if Andy had had Couch, it might have been a whole different story. But he took Donovan McNabb, and for a decade, Donovan McNabb was one you know—one of the best four or five quarterbacks in the NFL. He moved up to take Mahomes, and already after two, three years, right? Yeah. Three years. People were talking about him like he's going to be one of the greats of all time. He may not be, but right now you would sit there and go, oh, my God, look at what that guy's doing. Andy Reid moves up 17 spots to take that guy. And I don't know what he gave up to get up there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I don't know like how much they gave up, but what that might go down as one of the, yeah, they talk about taking Brady in the sixth round. Now that was, that was, that was a, an educated guess that turned out correctly. Moving up to get Patrick Mahomes might be turned out to be one of the great moves in draft history.
0: It's funny as we're talking about this, on, I have SportsCenter center on in the background and Ryan leaf is an analyst now for ESPN or, or analyzing ESPN they are talking about the, the quarterbacks who get, get drafted tonight and he talked he was talking about Jacob Beeson. so um
2: yeah and I love, because, because look they're always going to talk every year there's a when there's a draft and they'll list 15 quarterbacks or whatever and and th- usually the last 10 of those guys there's reasons why they're the last 10 mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that some of them can't turn out to be good obviously some of them do. But more often than not, they don't. Or sometimes they're just good. They're okay. You know, um, if you looked at like the 32 starting quarterbacks now, I'm I'm guessing two-thirds of them probably were taken fairly high. I could be wrong. Um, But, you know, that's just the – and that's why when you have a chance to get one, and that's why what the Eagles did to get Wentz, I applaud them. Whatever you think of Wentz or whatever you think his career might be, They saw their guy, and they said, we're going to go up and get this guy, and we're going to have to give up a bunch to get him. And it looks like they they made the right choice. Um, He may never win a Super Bowl. I don't know. But, you know.
0: Um, Let's go through some other notes on other things besides the NFL draft. And it's nice, by the way, it has been very nice the last 48 hours Mm -hmm. to be able to talk about something other than the coronavirus, that you've had something that has... Distracted people, and obviously, as Kevin said, you know, beyond this weekend, that's when we kind of get back to the reality of uh, the point. Um, it seems like NASA
2: until until other sports start, Kevin, it's going to be this NFL, way. The NFL has the whole stage to itself. Yeah, really. You know, until until some other sports start, you know, maybe coming back.
0: Um, the uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, still on hold. They did announce the um, results of the ash. Or I'm sorry, the Red Sox uh, scandal, while well, the cheating ex- investigation. Um, yeah,
2: they threw the video guy under the bus. They threw the
0: video guy under the bus. They took a second round draft pick away, but that's yeah, it's, yeah. It, that's
2: they. They won a World Series. They They don't,
0: they don't care. Baseball also announced that they will. They haven't announced, but apparently there's an agreement in place where 40 minor league affiliates will go away, um, part of a new agreement with minor league baseball. So that'll be interesting um, to see. But the
2: Phillies apparently are going to lose the Williamsport team.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it was funny. I talked to a uh, a buddy of ours the other night about this whole thing, and he goes, you know, if you're a place like Lakewood, um, you know, that's going to be trouble. You know, there's going to be minor league affiliates who are going to really struggle because they're not going to have a season. You you can't see them having a season right now. And they, it makes no sense for them to open. It makes no sense for them to have games without fans because that's where they make all their money. Kevin,
2: stand in line. Yeah. There, we, we could, if we were doing a show that not on sports, we could probably list 100,000 Businesses. businesses that are, you know, from your deli store on the corner to the, uh, oh, God. I mean, th- just think of all all the, the I mean, they're even talking now big market chains are, are crying poverty. And, I'm yeah. look, I'm not saying they're wrong, but they have hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, behind. What, what was the chain I was reading about the other day? Oh, God, it, it'll come to me. But we would all know who it was. And they were saying, like, the, the gap. It was yeah. the gap. Like, the gap was in trouble. How can the gap be in trouble? I mean, please explain this to me. Mike. You know, nobody goes to the malls anymore. Store- no, no, but what I'm saying, they're not paying employees right now. All right. So, are you telling me that because they've been out a month, that they are that? Like, I, I just refuse to believe that, like, Ford, if Ford missed a month, that they would suddenly be bankrupt,
0: but the Gap but they, still, but the still, the Gap has to pay for their retail locations.
2: I yep. understand that, Kevin, but it just seems to me that if you're a company like the Gap and you're operating month to month, yeah, which is kind of what they're telling me, that that's an indictment of, of our whole of oh, the business prop. Yes, um, oh, there's definitely going to be yeah. the, the the forty teams that go away. there probably will be more than forty because. Some of them, like you said, if they lose the minor league season, which it looks like they probably will, because why would you go back?
0: Um, Especially without fans.
2: Yeah, but the biggest problem America is going to face, and I don't think anybody, let's say, I'm just going to throw out a date. Let's say by May 31st, most of America is quote unquote back. Mm -hmm. Okay. So restaurants are opening, there's a, what if nobody, what if 80% of America is still staying home and not going to the restaurant, not going to the car dealership to buy a car,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not going to whatever it is you might, not going to a mall?
0: And you're paying stop. people to just sit there.
2: I, what I'm saying is, we're not, this is not, and I'm like you and everybody else, you hope for the best. We hope, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid there's, somebody figures out a cure for this or it stops or whatever. Uh, the, the million things the president throws out at, you know, drink Lysol, you know, that'll help. Um, the, um, it's going to take us a while for these companies to rebound, yeah. you know, to and and, and it, it's good that they're starting. We got to start somewhere, you know, but it's not like on on if we open May 31st, it's not like on June 14th. Um, you know, all of a sudden, you're going to go up to Nishamni Mall, and there's going to be uh, you know, 700, 800, 900 people walking around.
0: Um
2: it just
0: isn't. Um, oh, let, uh, let, let, me, let me throw out another point on this, too. Um, the National Hockey League has pretty much ended the idea of going to North Dakota or New Hampshire. Uh, they they appear to be settling on an idea.
2: Why, why did they do that, Kev? Why, why well, they...
0: I'm, I'm going to... Oh. Gary Bettman talked about the fact that those facilities would not have had enough back of the house requirements and meaning locker rooms.
2: Sure, sure. that okay. you would have
0: and what they're looking at now is a four arena plan, one per division. the Flyers, the metropolitan division would end up going to um, Raleigh uh, to Carolina. okay And that way they could play multiple games in the same day. Put teams in different locker rooms, uh, and have it where you know that's more sterilized. There's is more. This of,
2: just, is this just playoffs, Kevin?
0: They're talking about trying to finish the final twelve games of the regular season for each. Yeah, I
2: think they're, I think that's where they lose me. If if you're worried, it's like the NBA. If if you're worried that the the Pelicans are three games behind whoever the eighth place, the Grizzlies, and man, you're really ripping the Pelicans off because they might have caught them. No tough it's you it, it's hard it's going to be hard enough resuming let's just resume with playoffs let's just let's just say hey whatever the standings were that's the standings okay we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna you know like you were saying maybe like best of fives instead of best, best of seven sevens right or whatever that's what people don't want to see the last 12 games of the regular season they really don't I don't, and that's where I think not having fans really hurts. Cause then, I mean, at least if you're in the playoffs and all the teams are kind of equal, okay, yeah. Does it hurt that the Flyers can't play at home where they've been really, really good? Sure. You know, just like it would hurt the Sixers if they got into a playoffs and are 30 and 2 at home or whatever the hell they are. But I, I just think this idea of trying to do a, I think if they just did a playoff and they could figure out a way to do it that kept everybody safe. I think people would really be into it. I do. I think playoffs. People love playoffs. They right. love playoffs. You know, if you have a game, if you bring the schedule back, and the Flyers—well, the Flyers are probably a bad example because we're excited about them. But like, if, if Carolina was playing Florida in the you know seventy seventh game of the season, and it really didn't mean anything, right? Why do you care? You know, people and- don't care about those games. When they're actually playing them in March.
0: And I think there's a way they could solve it where you could expand the playoffs and have like a mini-series. You know, if you basically like expand it per conference to ten, have seven play ten, have eight play nine, you play a best of three, and then the winner goes on and plays the two seed or the one seed or whatever.
2: I mean that that works for me. I mean that that you know, that way you're getting the ninth and tenth. I said that with the NBA, if that's what they're Like, if you're say. 11th right now, no, sorry. No, no, no. no. Sorry. Technic, technically, if you're 10th, but it, it's a special situation. If the NBA came back and did the same thing, you have seven, play 10. In fact, in the NBA, I'd be happy if they just did a one-game playoff. You know, one game. You seven, ten, seven, 10, eight, nine. If you want to make it best of three, fine. Make it best of three. The only advantage those teams are getting is they would have played games. Right. So, now they're going to play the one or the two seed, you know, which which you think would be a much better team. But those teams would be coming in cold. I don't know if that is too much of an advantage for the teams that would have played games. I, I I don't know that. But if you have ten teams, that's the only way you can do it. If you have an odd number, if you don't have two, four, six, or eight, you know, otherwise you would have to take it to 16. Yeah. And that's letting everybody in. Which, you know what? I mean, if they wanted to do that this year for the for – sake of whatever, I mean, does the NBA have 32 teams or they just have 30?
0: They have 30.
2: Okay, so the NHL has 32? Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, 30, yeah, 31 actually.
2: Okay. I mean, I, you know, any way you can do it, if as long as you can keep people safe, Kevin was absolutely right. People are going to watch. Yeah. People are going to be, I'm going to tell you what, the NHL would have their biggest ratings ever.
0: Uh, I'm actually looking. At the three of the four home sites would be Carolina, Edmonton, and Minnesota, and they wouldn't. They haven't picked Minnesota, one. Minnesota, Carolina, and they haven't picked one in the Pacific yet, or in the uh, in the Atlantic, which would have been Miami, Boston, Montreal.
2: Well, I don't think Miami's a good choice right now. I don't think Boston's a good choice. Um, Toronto. Yeah, but here's the thing. Then where do you go after that?
0: That that's. Something they would have to get yes, eventually when you got when you got to a point where your division playoffs would be over, you would have to find a way of reconciling.
2: But why are they making it harder than it has to be? If no fans are going to be in the buildings anyway, wouldn't it make sense to take it to one venue? You could play games from ten in the morning till midnight every day. It'd be like an NCAA tournament almost. You know, teams are going to need days off. You know, so you could have one, you know, maybe the East plays one day, the West plays the next day. Why do they make it harder than it has to be? I don't understand it. Now you're talking about taking people to four different sites and, and making all four sites safe when you could take them to one site and just make 100% sure that that one site is is great. I, I, don't, I don't get it. And there must be a reason. I can only assume there's a reason. Um, and I would hope it was logistical, but, you know. Well, they also
0: said that part of the reason is also, as it's, uh, here we go, uh, lack of facilities for players, staff, and broadcast partners. So, obviously, that they were feeling like some of these neutral site places that were mentioned were just not going to have enough room to keep everybody, I guess, socially distant.
2: Here's my dumb question, Kevin. So the four sites you just
0: mentioned—Edmonton,
2: mm-hmm. uh, Miami, Raleigh, whatever—why can't you just go to one of them? They obviously all have the. Because you're going to be
0: playing games simultaneously at different spots.
2: Uh, well, you know what? Then they're losing me. Why? First of all, why? If you start, let's say you got fourteen, you got four games in the East, right. You have four games in the West. Okay, fine. On Monday, we're going to play these games. We're going to start it at, at – at, or maybe we play two East games on Monday. Two East games. This whole notion, when you throw four sites into it, and and to me you're just making it more complicated, uh, you know, I, I, whatever. If they can do it, that's fine. I think one of the last places I want to be right now is the east coast of Florida. Uh, Boston is not, I think, one of my first choices. That would be like saying, let's go to Philadelphia. Really? You want to come to Philadelphia like three weeks from now? Okay, fine. Go ahead.
0: Well, in that division, okay, in that in the in the Eastern Conference is Atlantic Division. Okay, if you're breaking it up by Atlantic, Metropolitan, Central, and Pacific. All right, well, Pacific would be Edmonton. Central would be Minnesota. Uh, the Metropolitan would be Carolina. Okay, here are your options for the Atlantic. Boston, you're not going there. Tampa. Maybe Tampa actually could work. Uh, that that the west coast of Florida has actually been decent. Toronto, no Flo- Miami, no Montreal, no Buffalo. So, well, why are
2: Toronto and Montreal? No,
0: because they've had uh, like they've been hit as well.
2: Okay, I knew. I knew okay,
0: uh, Buffalo, uh, Ottawa, and Detroit. So. The, uh, one I, of those sites. again, Tampa would make the most sense, I would think.
2: Again, I am still wondering why, at the very most, have two sites, one conference goes to each site, you stagger the games, they're not going to play every other night anyway. It's hockey, for crying out loud. Why do they make it more complicated? I don't understand it. I, I, I'm, I just don't get it. And geography has nothing to do with it. You could send the Flyers to Phoenix. If that was the safe place to be, it doesn't matter. Right. Once you're there, it's like baseball—you're sequestered anyway. I mean, what what's the difference? You know, I—they're I, I, losing me. I, I would make this as simple as possible, and that way, the people that are telecasting your games only have to go to two venues instead of right. four. Right? Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm the dumbass in the room. Why, with what we're going through now? The worst thing in a hundred years. Would we make it more complicated when we still don't have answers anyway?
0: Well, by the way, the other part of this, uh, Bettman also said that his decision will not be tied in with the NBA. Mm, Um, Whatever. And it's
2: hockey for crying out loud. And
0: he also says, this is part of the reason why, why not go right to the playoffs? Uh, Our players need more conditioning time. So we have to build It back up and the only way you can do that is by being on skates and playing
2: that's fine but do you you couldn't play exhibition games uh, you're telling me the flyers and the rangers couldn't no 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 it's all kevin it's all bs it's bs because they want to get the revenue from those 12 games or whatever they're going to get from them it's all you got to make this as simple as possible and say we are in a unique once in a century situation here or once, you know, World War II, well, two times a century, whatever. We're going to make it as simple as possible to try to give our fans something valuable that they can watch. <laughs> I'm all for that. But this notion that, yes, you need time to get ready. Sure you do. I get that. But to, to, to play, so you're going to tell me they're not going to take time to get ready before the first game they play? They're going to go to training camp for two or three weeks, right?
0: Yeah.
2: And then the first game you play – the guys chances of getting hurt in that game are just as good as if it was a playoff game. What's the difference? Yeah. Now if Bettman's talking, if Bettman's talking, and you're going to hear this from a lot of commissioners going down the road because once again, the monetary um, impact I don't think, maybe I'm stupid, if the NFL scrapped, NHL scrapped the regular season, start the playoffs in some way shape or form, they would be just as they'd be they they would probably make just as much money Um, they probably, they'd be more entertaining and people would really leave with a good feeling in their mouth that we got something. That's just me. That's, that's my opinion. You would think I don't want to see a regular season game. I don't want to see a regular season NBA game. Do I need to see the Sixers finish out the regular season so they can get the fifth seed? Really? Now, baseball is different. You haven't started the season. Right. It's a totally different thing. The NFL is a totally different thing. Okay. NHL and the NBA got a bad luck of the draw because their seasons ended with a month to go.
0: But Deal that's, with it. Yeah, it's not, not the worst thing in, in the world.
2: You no, know, but I'm just saying, me as a Sixer fan, if they came back and said, we're going to finish the regular season, I'm going to get all excited about whether they're the fifth seed.
0: <laughs> I know. I
2: mean, really. Or I'm going to get excited that the ninth seed might catch the eighth seed. The biggest story they would play up is would Zion Williamson catch make the playoffs. Yeah, the ESPN would be talking about that for three weeks. So, anyway, uh, do you think? Let me ask you. You're the baseball guy. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be like a baseball season? I, I, I'll phrase it as that because I don't know how. I don't want to put parameters on it and all that kind of crap. No. So you really, you, you really think that this that, 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 that it's just not going to happen?
0: I don't think it's going to happen because I, I you see the element that I think is going to really hurt. It is going to be the, the financial element that if it's one thing to play in a remote location, and it's one thing to play without fans, it's going to be playing in a remote location without fans, without family. And Oh, by the way, the owners are going to ask the players to take less of a pay thing. I just think there's going to be too much. Well, do you
2: think then having said that, do you think there will be an NBA or an NHL? Yes. Well, aren't they aren't there the same concerns if you're taking an NBA team to a city for a month
0: there, or there, a month and a half? There's to a their families? there's a difference because the NHL and the NBA are basically at the playoffs and okay. the elimination time would be Okay. Uh, and see, a baseball season, you're talking four months.
2: Right. That's the reason why I don't think they should finish the regular seasons. I I think what you just said is perfect. They're at the playoffs. They're mm-hmm. there. We we went through four months of an NBA season, an NHL season. You know, five really. Yeah. Let's do the playoffs. Let's have exhibition games. Let's let's do three or four exhibition games. I I, I see no problem with that. You know, um. Scrimmages, if you want to call, just call them. But, but ba-
0: and look, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, but I just I keep running into this idea with baseball that... Um, How that many games, Kevin, would they have to play for, 80. For it
2: to make sense to you? 80. So if they said to you, let, let's say Manfred comes out and he says, mm-hmm. we've got a plan here, but we're probably only going to be able to play 50 games. Yeah. Are you in or not?
0: Uh... I would be fine with it but I don't think it's feasible. Oh, okay. Like I don't think and what I mean by feasible, I don't think people would take the season as legitimate.
2: Yeah, but but they but they'd be excited because it'd be back. It has no the legitimacy at that point has has no that has no bearing on it. It's just that we've been locked up in our houses for 4 months whatever. We're watching, and, and it
0: would be an appetizer. And I, I get it, and you're right. And I'm not
2: because are they going to look bad if if the NBA and the NHL do something and
0: they don't? But again, it's a different it's a different part well, of the I know season. That,
2: you know that, but you know there's a lot of pressure on Manfred, and there's and there's a lot of pressure on you know every sport. It's not just you know it's we're going to see this with college football. We're going to see this with the NFL. Um, you know, I'm just wondering. I I don't know. Um, I, I, I could live without a baseball season, but, it, but even me, I'd miss it. You know, I'm, I, I wouldn't lose my mind. Um, if the fly, I would like to see what I would have loved to have seen what the Flyers could have done in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, and I would have loved to have seen what the Sixers could have done in the playoffs.
0: And, and I'll be honest, like the one thing with the Flyers and maybe the Flyers surprised me when the, we start again, it, it works and all that. But I, you know, when you take a le- when you were as hot as you were, before going into that sure. break. Sure, it's hard, yeah. And you're going to basically have two and a half, three months off.
2: Although, Kevin, the other way could work too. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe they just had that that it thing, you know, um, that the Eagles had a couple years ago, or we've seen other teams yeah. in Philadelphia have. Uh, maybe, you, you know, they seem like a pretty good group. Like, um, I just couldn't see them falling flat on their face but I understand what you're saying. It may be a team like the penguins with some veterans or, or the caps with some veterans. Maybe those teams would be better equipped to handle something like that. I don't know, but I would love to see the flyers have the chance, even if it's got an asterisk next to it. I don't care. You know, I, I just think it would be fun. Cause they, they seem like they were a fun team. The Sixers were not a fun team. No. Uh,
0: no. it's funny. There's a one other thing before we go. Uh, well, by the way, we should point out Larry Bella scheduled to join us next week. Uh, I will confirm what day it'll be. Uh, so we're we've got some guests still lined up here as we uh, try to get you through uh, this. Can you get
2: the Eagles first round draft pick on? Can we talk to him?
0: I'm not sure they're probably going to be taking my phone call. <laughs> <laughs> we can try. Sure. Why not? Can't they're the hurt. worst
2: interview. They're the worst interviews in the world, Kevin. They're- oh,
0: how do, you, to players. how do you feel?
2: It's just, they, and it's not their fault. They no. just, a lot of them don't have anything, especially in that situation. They just don't have, you know, it's, it's funny. I don't want to get off where you were going to close, but, you know, Carson Wentz looks like he's a really good guy. Yeah. I think he's a stand up guy. He's perfect for Philadelphia. He's a blue collar. I'm going to go hunting in the woods with my friends. Um, he doesn't say a lot. Yeah. He, that's just who he is. It's, it's not that he's a, you know, He's just not that guy, you, you know. Some guys are, some guys will fill your notebook. you know who they are? We mm-hmm. all know who they are because we go to those guys. You know? Those and, are the guys um, who
0: always are quoted.
2: Yes, um, you probably walk up to Shady McCoy any day of the week and get and get, get yeah. something you could use. Brian Westbrook, um, you know, we know who they are. But it's, it's just funny, like when he, when they interview some of these guys that just got drafted. And I understand it's the biggest moment of their life, and you know? all but they don't really have anything to say. say. Like, geez, God. Oh, God. God uh, I, I, congratulations to all of them. You get picked in the first round of the NFL draft or even the seventh round of the NFL draft. You're doing pretty good.
0: So, obviously, second and third rounds tonight, uh, fourth through seven tomorrow on Saturday. And... Hey, should
2: we mention, Kevin, that a local kid got drafted last night?
0: Uh, um,
2: the, the kid got um from South Jersey, Camden.
0: Yeah. Got drafted and, by uh, the Saints.
2: And the other kid from from um, St. Joe Prep probably will get picked very early tonight, right? They're yeah, DeAndre cool. Swift will
0: get picked early this evening.
2: Were you surprised him. that the Chiefs didn't take him instead of the guy from LSU? Style. Okay, okay. That's fair enough, yeah.
0: I mean, a lot of times that just what it boils down to. He's pretty good, right? Yeah. Okay. Um you know it's funny as we end this week and, and it's now week 6 of quarantine um feels longer it feels longer uh we should point out well there's a couple of things uh one i want to send out our condolences um to the family of Kevin Roberts um who used to be a, a columnist at the uh, Camden Courier Post who uh passed away last week from cancer uh at the age of 53 and he, Which he had beat once. He had beat once, he, and, he had it beat back back. and it came back, and it he it went quick uh, with Kevin and Mike. You you obviously knew Kevin through college basketball. I knew him through baseball. Um, Kevin, Moore. I didn't
2: know Kevin. I didn't know. It's funny. I didn't know him real well. I right. knew him well enough. And we say this about a lot of guys. I have a lot of friends that I met through our profession. Yep. Many of them are very good guys. And you know, you know the same guys I do. Mm-hmm. Um, we could sit here for an hour talking about them. But Kevin just struck me as just a good guy. Happy. And then when I found out that he had worked with, after he lost his job at the paper, mm-hmm. um, through no fault of his own, uh, that he did all that, that work with the, um, what was it, helping people who needed help? Yep. I guess uh, with home, I with it,
0: homeless people. Uh, yeah. Helping homeless people get back on their feet, and
2: I mean, who does that? Yeah, I mean, really, um, yeah, my heart, yeah.
0: And, and yeah. so, our our sympathies out to Kevin's family and Kevin's friends, and there are a ton of them. Um, and I wanted to mention I should have mentioned it on Tuesday, but
2: and you don't even get to say goodbye. No, which is, which is the worst part.
0: Yeah, uh, there'll be a memorial service we've heard uh, later on. Um, mm-hmm obviously once everything is settled. Um, But also, we also want to point out before we say goodbye for this week, our thanks, our thanks to healthcare workers, grocery shop workers, everybody who has helped keep everything somewhat going. Uh, And as it looks like, you know, maybe the virus has turned a little bit of a corner. Uh, Those people have been instrumental in, keeping basically structured in the, the you know, the, the societal structure together. So uh, I don't think we've, I've heard a lot of people say it. I don't think we've said it maybe enough. I don't think you can say it enough. So thank Kevin, you. You know what, you know, what thank you. Go ahead.
2: I texted, I was texting a friend of mine. And I, I don't talk to him all but we talk. And he said that he just, he's finding out now that friends of friends are dying. Yeah. of This. And he said, that's when it, and that's why, look, you, we all have the right to protest. I know a lot of people are, need to get back to their jobs. Mm-hmm. They need to make money. They have. I, I, I understand all that, and I'm not trying to dismiss that. But when you go and you protest, especially if you're not wearing a mask and you're not practicing your social distancing or whatever, and then you see a picture of those people in those hospitals when they're crying yeah. because they're, they've been doing this, like you said, for six weeks.
0: Non-stop. And you might
2: have to do it for six weeks more or beyond that. Yeah. We don't know. And you just like protest, protest in the right way, mm-hmm. voice your opinion as an American, but never lose sight of the fact that you're also, you know, those people are looking at you yeah. in those hospital rooms, seeing what you're doing. And, and I, I find it, Kevin, every night when I watch the news and stuff, how many people through all of this have donated meals? Yeah. Take meals to these people, put put money in funds, um, can you imagine if you were a worker that was there for like a 16-hour shift, and, and all of a sudden somebody shows up with a sandwich or a platter?
0: It's incredible. It, it,
2: it, 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 it's like it means the world to you with that. And I can't put myself in that position. No. Because thank God I can stay at home. And when I know my next-door neighbor, she's a nurse. Right. And she's been home maybe three, she came home for Easter. And we've hardly even seen her. Right. And I can only imagine when she, when hopefully when all this is over, me and my wife already talked about, we're going to take them to dinner or something or do something. Give them a gift certificate. Yeah. Say, here, go go to dinner. Do, you know, it's it just that that's what upsets me a little bit with the, with some people who are saying, yeah. uh, you know, we need to get, we need to open up. Okay. That, that's fine. But if all of a sudden we open up and now we have more problems a month from now, which I'm not saying we will because nobody knows. But when, when Dr. Fauci's telling me, That he thinks we're opening too early, I tend to believe the man. Yeah, that's okay. I look at those people and I'm like, what must be going through their minds when they see this? Yeah, it's you know, me from the from the comfort of my living room is one thing, Mm -hmm. you know. And and you see sometimes they're crying and they can't be home with their families, and I don't know. It's just you know, there are going to be books written about this when all this is over. Yeah, there will be. And it's going to be fascinating when you really hear the, the total truth to, to all this.
0: I also, because, you know, and, and on a final note for me, and this is a personal note. And, uh, you know, I began doing broadcasting about 25 years ago, uh, actually 22 years ago at a little radio station up in Lansdale WMPV, um, And we've talked about the, you know, the impact of the virus and everything. This is the impact on just business in general. WMPV is going off the air next Thursday Um, after 60 years in uh, Lansdale, Montgomery County, everything. I had an enormously fun time uh, broadcasting up there with my buddy, Jeff Nolan, Kyle Berger, Daryl Dobas, Dan Morehouse uh, goes on and on Uh, high school football, high school basketball, college basketball, all that. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about the state of the newspaper industry. Uh, it's the media in general. And WMPV, Phil Hunt, Daryl Berger, all those guys uh, were kind enough to let me come on the air just as a newspaper reporter. And we've I've done a lot of work up there. And as they begin their final week, they're going off the air, like I said, Thursday night um, at the end of the month. I want to write. To Are they ever
2: coming back, Kevin, or is that? We don't
0: know. We don't know. I mean, at, at this point, it's a—it's uh, obviously a business decision. If somebody comes and buys the station, it may not be the same format and all right, that. Right, so, right, right, um, I just figured I, I wanted to give a shout-out to them before I forget. You know what? I forget a lot the sad, of stuff easily.
2: <laughs> one, of, one of the sad parts of that, too, Kevin, is you guys did high school sports. Yeah, which nowadays is getting less and less and less and less because that's just the nature. WBCB of
0: the world. WBCB in uh, Levittown and all that does it, and right. I I'm trying to think maybe WCHE out of uh, Coatesville, right. but local sports. But you think is,
2: you think it's some of those kids in the future who won't get who a won't game have that option, no, or won't you know? And and look in the overall scheme of the world, you know, does it matter that the Penridge uh, Perkiomen Valley game might not get? No, it doesn't, but. For some of those people, that's a real big deal. That you know, that's you know, you know, high school might be the only time they play, and and you know, and um, it's it's just sad that that the that that we're going that way, and I know why we're going that way. It's it's obviously money driven, and we even saw it in the colleges. Yeah, you know, it's much tougher for the colleges even now to get publicity and living in a four pro sport town. But yeah, it's just you know, it's it's you know, but it's weird now when we were growing up, you know, we would hear our parents talk about things and we say, well, what are they? Yeah. You know, people are to say now, you hey, remember when the radio station you
0: used to have high school so- football. On. I remember
2: yeah. when we used to get the Northeast times, like on our doorstep. And no. yeah, I've noticed that there's no Northeast times now. Now I don't know if that means they're permanently gone. No, no. The- people-
0: I actually still get some. You I still do- get the Northeast times. Yeah.
2: So maybe it's just the person who brings it to my doorstep. It might be, but I got to imagine people, uh, Papers like that must be really facing a difficult time right now because who the hell is going to advertise? I mean,
0: well, just, uh, you know, so as we go forward, enjoy what you can of the weekend and, um, enjoy. Now, look, we, these are challenging times, but we'll all get through it on the other side. If we all take care of each other. And you know,
2: the the toughest part might be what's in front of us. As stupid as that sounds, because this whole point of, of, getting back this process of, of reacclimating ourselves to, to daily routine is going to be really difficult because not everybody's going to do it the right way. Um, and you just hope that doesn't impact the people who are doing it the right way. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to go to the beach. I want to go to the beach. I want to go to the boardwalk. I want to go to Cracker Barrel. I want to go come up to your house. Um, See my grandson in person. Yeah, see my see my son and daughter, and it's just um, it it ain't going to be easy, especially where we live, because you know the rest of Pennsylvania, a lot of it's going to start opening.
0: We're not. We're going to be
2: behind the learning curve. Yeah, and rightfully so. I, you know, I understand. It's you know.
0: All right, Michael. Have a good weekend. Okay, babe. Thank you for joining us. Our thanks to Kevin Nagandi for joining us. Hope everyone has a good weekend, and we'll see you next week. Oh, I'm working to beat.
2: Well, you win. Went-